is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I'm bringing you the forecast for January 6th through 12th, 2021. This was originally shared on YouTube. I share the weekly forecast both as a written version at monarchastrology.com. I share it on YouTube, and I also share it here on the podcast. I'm going to keep this introduction pretty short because there is an introduction and announcements in the forecast itself. So let's get into it. We have a new moon in Capricorn January 12th and quite a few compelling transits uh, during the week as well with Mercury, Mars, and Saturn all in conversation. Here's our week. Hello, my loves. This is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for January 6th to 12th of 2021. Uh, So we are in the new year and With that comes a symbolic renewal, and we do actually have a different kind of outer planetary zeitgeist that's different than the Saturn-Pluto conjunction of 2020. We're moving into a Saturn-Uranus square, um, which is also, you know, bringing change, but it's a different vibe than Saturn conjunct the planet of the underworld, um, a time that is known for creating mass contractions in history. We're moving into more of an astrology that actually has some building or constructive energy, um, as well as like accelerated change. But for more information on that square that's characterizing the new year, um, I have a video for that on the Saturn Uranus square specifically that I'll link in the notes. This week, we have Mercury, Mars and Venus changing signs. We have Mercury moving into Aquarius, Mars moving into Taurus, and Venus moving into Capricorn. Um, By the way, if you're new here, I I write these weekly forecasts and have been for a while. Um, I've been sharing them in written form for most of the time, and then I branched out to YouTube. So on this channel, I read you what I've written and add some extra commentary. So that's why I'm looking at my notes. So Mercury in Aquarius will highlight by aspect the current Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius, as well as the current and building Saturn in Aquarius square Uranus in Taurus transit. A new moon forms in Capricorn at the end of the week, conjunct god of the underworld Pluto and trine the priestess goddess keeper of the sacred flame Vesta in Virgo. As Mercury draws to make contacts with both Saturn and Mars this week, this speaks to conflict and mental tension. Some that's already been building, we're already in it. It's also an opportunity for things to come to a head. A Mercury-Mars-Saturn mood is like a person sitting at a desk deep in thought with a thunderstorm happening just outside the window. I also get like a gritty comic book vibe from Mars Saturn. The problem at hand is inevitable. There are consequences in every which direction, including non-action creating consequences. This also becomes a powerful time for seeking advice from trusted people or saying the things that are hard to say, having hard conversations. 
A transit like this can remind us that life does involve hard decisions or moments where we feel tested, situations where there is no easy answer. Potentially in moments of tension like this, time moves slowly enough for us to consider our situation in a new way. The narrative tales that we love to watch or read um, or binge on Netflix or whatever, they are full of um, conflicts that forge the main characters. And sometimes life itself is cinematic like that as well. The earthiness of Mars moving into Taurus, an earth sign, and a new moon in Capricorn forming also an earth sign suggests that we can practice feeling um, into the way that our decisions feel in our body, all the sensations. So the anxiety or the nervousness or the, the digestion afterwards, we can register the after effect, the way that that feels. Choosing to learn something, reflecting on what we've learned, and accepting and working with consequences all remediate the stress of decision-making or confronting the results of our actions. So before I get into our week with some more specifics, a few announcements. One, um, a good way to stay in touch with me is through my mailing list. That's where um, I keep you up to date about my course launches, as well as when my books, my astrology reading books open. Um, at the time, they're usually closed and I'm now opening them cyclically. Um, this is also a way to get the weekly forecast delivered straight to your inbox every week in written form, as well as with links to this channel. If you're watching on YouTube, please like this video and comment. Let me know what you think and how you're doing and do subscribe and hit the notification bell. Please also follow me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. I post things there that I don't tend to post anywhere else. My upcoming Evolutionary Astrology Intensive is beginning January 11th. Um, I've been teaching this course since 2017, and it just keeps getting better and better. It really draws in amazing, interesting people, like-minded people who are interested in depth-oriented astrology. Evolutionary astrology is a soulful, karmic, psychological, modern astrology that looks at the question of who we've been before this incarnation, what we've brought into this life, and what our trajectory and purpose is in this lifetime. Um, in this course, I share with you the foundations of understanding the archetypes and the planets, the houses, aspects, all these building blocks from a deeper perspective, their evolutionary intention or purpose. Um, we learn how to read charts as a whole um, and beyond just being a way to really understand charts better. This course is really about your intuitive connection, your felt connection to astrology, feeling as though you can look at a chart and have feelings or visions come through that you have an intuitive connection to the practice. Um, I absolutely love teaching this course and I'm really excited to begin again. Do know that the deadline for applying or not applying for enrolling is January 8th. Um, so try not to wait till the last minute. Um, and it is a hard cutoff at January 8th. And then Meteorite um, is a level two training that I'm teaching that begins at the end of January. It's for alumni of the intensive and it's an astrological embodiment accelerator, which means we're going to really develop the craft 
together um, and embody your unique voice as an astrologer, your capacity to create delineations. We will go into more material like Chiron and the asteroid goddesses and synastry and transit astrology. Um, and there's also a creative component to this class of doing a project and presenting it at the end. Now, if you'd like to apply for this, the link um, to learn more about the course and apply is in the notes as well. And I have one new episode of Magic of the Spheres out. Um, it's an episode about fascination and business and branding and money mindset with Captolia. So that's the most recent episode of Magic of the Spheres, which I will also link in the notes. Okay, here's our week. On January 6th, Mars enters Taurus at 2.27 p.m. Pacific. This will be a significant mood shift given that Mars spent so much time in Aries due to the recent Mars retrograde. Mars was in Aries from June 27th of 2020 to now. And Mars will stay in Taurus until March 3rd, 2021. I actually really liked Mars spending so much time in Aries. Um, it felt good. Um, and it was a good amount of time to get to know Mars in this particular place. Mars in one of their home signs. For months, Mars in Aries was an orb of squaring Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter in Capricorn. This was before Saturn and Jupiter ingressed into Aquarius and made a conjunction. So now that Saturn and Jupiter have ingressed into Aquarius, this ongoing square is continuing, but in different signs, and then it will begin to separate as Mars is moving quicker um, and will eventually enter Gemini not too long from now in March. Um, so Mars entrance into Taurus also brings Mars closer to Uranus in early Taurus. It's at like six degrees right now and places Mars as a cameo figure for lack of a better word, like a quicker moving actor um, in the Saturn Uranus square that will characterize 2021. So remember, if you wanna learn more about that square, I have a video all about it that's linked below. On a feeling level, Mars in Taurus is much slower than Mars in Aries. Mars is at home in Aries and more naturally expresses its instinctual, impulsive, raw moment-to-moment -moment nature in that sign. Taurus, on the other hand, is a sign that loves leisure and rest. Think of the image of a bull laying in a meadow. Once the bull is in motion, however, it's formidable combining impact with weight and gravity. See if you notice, notice a shift in energy levels or motivation as Mars changes signs. Mars and Taurus can be motivated with pleasure. While Mars and Aries can express as a person who just loves and needs to move, Mars and Taurus often desires pleasurable movement, something aesthetic or sensual. This Mars entering into conversation with Saturn and Jupiter and Aquarius and Uranus and Taurus could relate to some tensions around speed or desire for acceleration and momentum versus limitations. Instead of being in a rush, which has been an ongoing theme with Mars squaring these Capricorn planets, now, you know, shifting into the fixed signs. 
Instead of being in a rush, it could be helpful to think about endurance or longevity as an important factor in our plans. Just because we want something now doesn't mean that we can implement it as quickly and without adequate time to rest or readjust. Then on January 8th, Mercury will enter Aquarius at 4 a.m. Pacific. Mars will station retrograde in 26 degrees of Aquarius on January 30th. So keep in mind that a retrograde is coming up. And before a retrograde, it, it can be a good idea to do certain practical things, um, errands, tasks that might become a little bit more laborious when Mercury is retrograde. Um, I personally find Mercury retrogrades like not a big deal of a transit. Um, that being said, certain chores like getting an oil change can be nice to do before the retrograde um, because Mercury retrogrades can bring reroutes and delays. And sometimes it's nice to just have more spaciousness during that to enjoy reroutes that, um, you know, part of the the reroute of Mercury retrograde is that new things enter the story or a detour can become meaningful. You can um, get lost or end up going somewhere else than you meant to and having a meaningful experience. Um, but if you're just trying to get from a linear point A to point B and you have some of those things in mind, you know, just do them sooner than January 30th. And Mercury will station direct again February 20th in 11 degrees of Aquarius. So just Aquarius, it's not going to go into any other sign during the retrograde. And then Mercury will enter Pisces March 15th. So we have a good amount of time of Mercury and Aquarius to get to know this energy. And I actually, I really like Mercury and Aquarius. I find individuals with this placement to be very insightful and, um, I think of Aquarius as a pretty psychic, pretty intuitive sign. It's not psychic in the same way as like the water energies are psychic in terms of being empathic or feeling, but it's like making rapid connections um, or being tuned into a field of information, um, the knowing field, a field of potential. Um, some individuals with Mercury and Aquarius tend to be really good at predicting what other people are about to say because they feel things holistically or they, you know, sense the whole story or the whole information um, before it's put into words, which happens much slower compared to how quick Mercury and Aquarius moves. That being said, individuals that feel they're about to predict what people are going to say may be surprised. They may not always be right. Um, but they do have a certain knack for it. I've spoken to individuals with this placement who have actually learned to not interrupt people or not anticipate what people are about to say, because even if they're right, um, it can be annoying or the other person wants to get their whole idea out. Um, but I find this kind of future calibrated, whole vision calibrated Mercury, a pretty compelling placement. So I'm excited to get to know it for an extended period of time. Mercury is leaving an earth sign Capricorn, and this can relate to a certain shift around feeling like more wind, more air, like more ideas, more space enter our consciousness. Mercury in Capricorn is pragmatic. You know, it's an earth sign. And we may have found ourselves more practically focused on what's right in front of us. Um, 
And Mercury and Aquarius kind of brings in ideas from left field or, you know, the network or just surprising ideas. Mercury and Aquarius is a network consciousness, a systems oriented consciousness. It can relate to downloads or making rapid connections that are logical and deductive, but happen so quickly that it feels like a vision. And I would argue that it still is in some sense, because we could also say that a vision um, is experienced in linear or kind of organized form. If we put Mercury in Aquarius, it's like the map to the whole vision is also provided next to the vision, as opposed to a spontaneous vision that doesn't have the map. Um, so I think there's some blending of like right and left brain consciousness with this placement. Mercury will retrograde in Aquarius and spend extra time in this sign as a result. This can be a good time for rethinking some of our traditional mental patterns as Mercury retrograde is great for, um, specifically the ways that we expect certain things and create self-fulfilling prophecies by being so tuned into particular programs. Programs or stations or frequencies are an Aquarius concept. The way that there's radio stations floating through the air right now and radio stations pick them up because they're calibrated to human consciousness also can calibrate to different frequencies. And if we're running a fear or a dread frequency, we're going to interpret neutral events through that lens. And even if the way that we react or interpret those events creates a chain of effects that validates the original feeling of fear or dread, we took part in creating that because of the program the station of consciousness that we were tuned into. So if we're creating things with self-fulfilling prophecies that we don't desire or aren't good in our lives, um, it's not just that we were right necessarily. You could argue, you know, it's, we could get philosophical that some things are faded and it's not no matter what you thought about it or how you related to it. Some things were still destined to happen. I'm talking about things that are a little bit more flex. If we create something with a self-fulfilling prophecy, we were participating with a script, a story, or a particular program. And a force that interrupts these programs, as I'm calling them, is insight. When we have a flash of insight, a moment of sudden understanding, it's like a shock that reverberates through our system and has us thinking about something differently and seeing our experience from new angles. So part of creating shift in the patterns and the programs that we're living out is to become lucid, to become aware of them, to see them as though we're an observer, the witness, which is a very Aquarian thing as well, to gain higher understanding about it and to gain a new inspiration of a different way to interact with ourselves or the situation at hand. So it's, it's analytical and it's potentially very progressive or futuristic, like let's do things differently. Then Venus enters Capricorn same day at 7.41 a.m. Pacific. Another mood shift, planets changing signs does change the field. And if you, if you relate to horoscopic astrology or read horoscopes for your rising sign, for example, 
Um, horoscope astrology uses whole sign houses. So every time a planet changes signs, it enters another house or another area of life according to your own natal chart. I personally use porphyry um, house method for charts, but I do also track whole sign and transits by whole signs. So you'll have, um, when you read a horoscope and it's talking about, oh, things are really lit up in your, you know, public sector, maybe it's planets moving through the 10th house. So realistically, if you, and I do believe that whole sign, you know, horoscopic astrology works and is valid alongside porphyry and, you know, the kind of astrology that I work with, um, planets changing signs, they literally enter new areas of your life. So it's kind of like things click into a new place when a planet changes signs. And Venus will, you know, as leaving Sagittarius, it was conjunct the South node. It was square Neptune and it will be in Capricorn until February 1st of 2021. Venus in Capricorn highlights intentional aesthetic and value-oriented construction, having clarity around what we desire and being able to make decisions accordingly. I think of like a director or an artist who's very clear about some of the artistic choices that they want to make. And there's a kind of crisp um, standard and style that they create as a result. The more clarity, the less time is spent on things that aren't in alignment. This can create an energy or orientation that seems reserved, and it is pretty reserved. Venus and Capricorn may be less concerned about pleasing everyone and more interested about priorities. It's a more serious Venus. It's not a very casual Venus. Um, I've seen a lot of like Venus and Capricorn individuals be the long-term relationship type where more than dating or more than having flings or more than having casual things, they find themselves in multi-year long relationships. Of course, not everyone with that placement would do that. It's just a pattern or a correlation that I've picked up. And what if there's not clarity? Capricorn is about climbing the mountains, success, worldliness, accomplishment in some sense. But there is the descent side of Capricorn, like depression or the dark night of the soul or doubt or winter. It is um, the mythology of Capricorn is wintry. It is based on winter in the Northern hemisphere. Clarity cannot be forced just because we're trying to be good. Claiming to know what we want just because we know that's something that we should do. I should be sure of myself or this is right on paper. So let me just go along with it. That's where we get the rigidity um, or the dogma that's potential within this sign. Part of Capricorn's depth is the ability to go into the contracted seed state. Those moments of being underground before bursting through the seed husk and growing, blooming. If we don't feel connected to pleasure, to what we value or feel like we should be happy, with what is happening in our lives, yet we aren't, these are moments where we might try to suppress those feelings and just carry on or be grateful. But these can also be moments to be curious, to be patient, to be open, to wonder what is forming in this darkness. 
there's a power within the soul that is emerging when we are in that kind of stillness of I should be happier, things are good, but why am I not? The soul always wants to expand past its limitations. So we might find ourselves somewhere that we originally projected would be where we were happy, right? And then we get there and we still want something else. Um, So these can be very soulful opening moments. As an activity of self-intimacy with Venus and Capricorn, feel into the difference of your clarity versus your non-clarity. When you're certain and when you know what you want and you're not willing to settle for anything less, truly, you know, not put on, but like, you know, you've had the experience, you've had the insight. Um, it's a, it's a firm knowing within yourself. Is this not powerful and galvanizing? Like clarity. Yeah, it's powerful. Similarly, when you're uncertain and you're willing to admit that and be vulnerable with that, And to be in that liminal space and open to something new or to change, is that not also potentially powerful, like standing at the death and birth gates? The sun in 18 degrees of Capricorn will sextile Neptune in 18 degrees of Pisces at 8.51 a.m. And then Mercury in zero degrees of Aquarius will square Mars in zero degrees of Taurus at 3.56 p.m. Let's see what day we are in. There's a lot happening. January 8th is all of this. So I didn't write about sun sextile Neptune. There was a lot of transits, but for Mars in Aquarius, square Mars in Taurus, Mercury in Aquarius, square Mars in Taurus. I don't know if that's what I just said. Consider the mental tensions you experience on your way to freedom, the doubts or patterns that you that want to take hold when you're experiencing wealth, happiness, love, any of these things, the part of you that is fighting for some reason to hold on to your pain, your victimization, your unworthiness, and so on. What if you could just watch this happen as an observer? It is when we are on the edge of a breakthrough or transformation that more stubborn or conditioned parts of our ego and ego constructs, which are there for our protection and our security, they once were at least, um, come out to fight for dear life. Like they don't want to die. It's really normal, actually. What if you observed it with curiosity as opposed to just being inside of it? I really remember being at an um, art workshop And the presenter was saying that when she is creating art and she starts to get those voices that come up, that's like, this is stupid. Like she knows that she's onto something like that's when she's really on the verge of a breakthrough Um, because you have that familiar, secure part of your ego clamoring, you know, not to die um, in those moments where change or some kind of breakthrough is about to happen. And this is something that, is more challenging, for example, if we are attempting to move in a certain direction in our lives, like to be a happy, fulfilling partnership or to be happy with our career um, or even just to be happy in general. And there's resisting thoughts um, and patterns that come up that are really wanting to keep us in familiar ruts 
Um, so to be able to see that, but not give into it, to see that and not contract around it, to see it and just let it be, um, is an act of personal fortitude, um, that can help us move to the next level, the next layer in our lives, as opposed to staying in these ruts. And then on January 9th, Venus in the first degree of Capricorn will trine Mars in one degree of Taurus at 7.53 a.m. This is a subtle transit, the trine, but creative and something that could help build momentum around value-driven or passion projects. When Venus and Mars come together, we can feel more motivated to create art, to perform, as well as to make our affection known or to initiate something with another person to initiate connection in earth signs. The emphasis is on concrete material, tangible reality. It takes vision or imagination to dream, but it takes the earth element to bring it down to earth. So consider if you are taking tangible steps to honor the inspiration that you are in contact with. I've been Rewatching Jane the Virgin on Netflix. I really love this series. Um, but one of the characters in a later season is a matchmaker, and she has all these different rhymes and rules about love. And one that's just coming to mind goes something like If you want to keep your mate, take every opportunity to celebrate. <laughs> and I, for some reason, was very romantically inspired by that because I did do notice, you know, it is a romance. It's a telenovela, Jane the Virgin. <clears throat> and the way that the characters are so excited for each other and show up to create celebration around various small achievements and big ones is really beautiful. Um, so thinking about the earth signs can be about materiality. <clears throat> it can be in terms of love, acts of service or gifts. And the sentiment of celebrating another person's experience, achievement, milestone with a physical experience, a beautiful dinner, a party, um, a gift, some kind of moment marked in time just feels very Earth, Venus, Mars um, to me. And then Mercury in two degrees of Aquarius will conjunct Saturn in two degrees of Aquarius at 7.17 p.m. And I'll talk about this below or Sorry, that's what I have written. I'll talk about this in a moment um, with Mercury conjunct Jupiter, which is okay. Actually, the next thing here on January 11th, Mercury in five degrees of Aquarius will conjunct Jupiter in five degrees of Aquarius at 9:19 p.m. a.m. 9:19 a.m. So we have Mercury forming a conjunction with both of these planets and highlighting that conjunction. I also have a video on the Saturn Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius that I'm linking below also. This was exact on the solstice, uh, December 21st. Mercury interacting with this conjunction makes the themes of this great conjunction more readily intelligible to us. Mercury is a translator. 
We may be talking about and researching some larger projects that we have in mind. Saturn Jupiter is like a new world, perhaps an idealistic one here with Aquarius. So what do we need to know? What information do we need to materialize this new world? When it comes to simply talking about visions and plans and never actually doing anything, not all talk is equal. Some talk moves the needle forward. We might want to more aggressively pinpoint the next steps in our visioning and start asking questions or consulting people that can help with the blind spots in our particular vision. For example, it had occurred to me some time back that people who believe they don't possess the ability to follow through with projects but are good at starting them might just not have the mapping for finishing projects. Like, let's think about the Aries archetype, for example. One of the stereotypes about this sign is that they're really good at starting things but not good at follow through because Aries is this fresh burst of life and whatever. But Aries at its core really wants to win. Like Aries wants to be the best. So with that desire in mind and Aries, you know, loving challenges or loving to test themselves against things to become something, they might develop the skill of follow through by working with systems that teach it. Um, working with a mentor, working with a coach, having gaining the language or the mapping of those different phases, because at every single step of the journey, there's new challenges or new hurdles. There's a hurdle of even starting something like we have to have the kind of innocence or confidence to do that. But say the step of like coming out into the world with what you're doing to announce that you're doing something or open up shop or whatever, like there's certain hangups, certain fears, certain resistances and learning about that in the abstract, like recognizing it and having the mapping for knowing that's a normal part of the journey will help you get over those things. So I think actually studying different phases of the creative process gives the mind a map to overcome various common hurdles that come up along the way. And Aquarius is an amazing systems thinker. So if we have a vision of an entire process and its various steps, we can more readily orient to where we are and where we're going. Tune into opportunities to understand processes that you're in from a much larger perspective. Sometimes it's presented as research, like Brene Brown's work, for example, and how she focuses on shame and vulnerability. And her work has helped so many people contextualize these themes and understand them and map them in their experience. Sometimes it's also presented as personal stories like people sharing how they got to where they are and you can empathize with some of their hurdles and locate yourself as confronting some of the same things. And seeing how they got from that point to the next, however, is also bigger picture context. It's amazing to listen to like radio and podcast interviews of people who have accomplished certain things, which 
a lot of people that are being interviewed on the radio have accomplished certain things and they'll talk about how they got there. Um, and it, it is another kind of bigger perspective that gives us ideas of how to connect the dots to wherever we are in a process to the projected finish line. So thinking about Saturn and Jupiter and Aquarius kind of building this new world or starting this new era, if there's something new that you want to do that you haven't done before, it's like you, we have to collect the information and the experiences to help us along the way. And with Mercury entering in, it just feels like a really good time to be asking questions and pursuing research. On January 12th, Mercury in six degrees of Aquarius will square Uranus retrograde in six degrees Taurus at 7 a.m. Pacific. A lot of the transits this week are like at the hour, like there's something almost like Mercury Saturn, like wanting to be punctual and like on calendar. Uh, I don't know what we would call clock time, wanting to be on clock time. So as Mercury highlights the recent Saturn Jupiter conjunction, it also activates the Saturn Uranus square. And again, that video about the Saturn Uranus square is available linked below. And I'll keep it to that video for now. Let's go to the new moon in 23 degrees of Capricorn at 9 p.m. January 12th. The new moon is conjunct Pluto in 24 degrees of Capricorn and trine asteroid goddess Vesta, a priestess and keeper of the sacred flame. By the full moon in two weeks, the sun will be in Aquarius and the moon will be in Leo. The full moon is always the sun and moon in opposite signs. At the full moon, the sun will be conjunct Saturn and Jupiter and the full moon axis will square Uranus and Mars and Taurus. I like to look at the full moon chart when I look at the new moon because the new moon is the seed and the full moon is like the fullest expression or the ripening. So we can actually sense a storyline and we have a much, the new moon is itself kind of like a seed moment, a little bit more contracted, a little bit sleepier um, inward. And the full moon is very expressive, um, kind of more external, kind of more like a climax. And so we have this movement of the new moon conjunct Pluto to the full moon interacting with Saturn and Uranus. So at a basic level, it feels like a epiphany or a new way of doing life, like a, a new practical vision is emerging. Um, but first we feel a sense of contraction. Um, and so this is actually just like a really key energetic process of the quiet, the darkness, the feeling of not knowing, being in a liminal state, feeling um, inward, feeling winter to the sprout or the seed bursting. Um, so this new moon could be a time of some of those more contracted feelings. A new moon conjunct Pluto here is interesting and fascinating, but not necessarily pleasant. It can be an invitation to move into what is real, even if those feelings are grief, emptiness, anger, jealousy, or other moods we judge as something we are averse to feeling. A shift happens when we move with these emotions rather than contract in the presence of them, judge them, 
resist them or try to get over them. These are all ways of being in resistance, even trying to get over something, which is something that I do a lot of actually, because there is a sense of wanting to move and accelerate the process of moving on or moving forward and also confronting the surrender that is a grief process, the way that it has timing or an agenda of its own. Writing of the natal moon Pluto aspects in his book, Pluto, the evolutionary journey of the soul, volume one by Jeffrey Wolf Green. He says, by nature, these individuals, so talking of moon Pluto and natally, by nature, these individuals need to cyclically shut down in order to replenish their emotional batteries. They also need to shut down because they are cyclically consumed by the unconscious force of their souls. This occurs in order to induce knowledge and perspective or to release a seed thought, a new seed thought, feeling or emotion from the soul to the conscious ego at key times in the evolutionary journey. Thus, the balance between necessary shutdown time and animated time is critical. So part of, you know, reading that feels really good and validating to me because I do have moon Pluto natally. And I started to notice starting in 2012 that, and it wasn't something, I think I've experienced it my whole life, but especially I started to consciously notice it that year was that sometimes, um, I have a strange, mood or a tiredness or a sense of shutdown that comes over me and I can't really find my way out of it. I just feel strange or uncomfortable or upset for no real reason. It's like a mood that is mysterious. And within hours, something happens, like something big sometimes happens or something um, profound. And I've started to track it um, because at first it'd be like, something must be wrong. Why am I feeling this way? But it seemed to always be a feeling that came at the precipice of change. Um, and almost is there to help me recognize that something is coming. So now having experienced this cycle so many times, there's a certain level of trust that I have in these moods that come up or phases of life where I feel more tired or less expressive, um, or less, you know, whatever, like just kind of more wintry, a trust that it is a, as Jeffrey Wolf Green is talking about, like a replenishing of batteries. One aspect of being in touch with our personal power and the spiritual life force that runs through us is to be able to surrender into the moments that we feel empty or down. As Green speaks to in the quote that I shared, sometimes these down moments can be seed moments, the compact, quiet moment before something bursts through the seed husk. What's really interesting too is that this bursting only happens when the conditions are right. So Capricorn is, you know, not like traditionally what we would think of as a vulnerable energy. Like it's pretty protected, it's pretty reserved, but it will, Capricorn energy does open up in the right conditions. So it can be like parts of our development that don't come out or don't germinate essentially until the timing and the setting is right. 
So this is part of why, like when we find ourselves in new life circumstances, or perhaps like we go through something like having money, like enough money for the first time, or um, being in a healthy relationship for the first time, it is very vulnerable stuff in the soul that now feels ready to grow and come out will. Um, so just wanted to make that note. So in these quiet moments before something bursts through the seed husk, we can resist these down, these empty moments for feeling that we need to be productive, more obviously functioning, um, or that there's something wrong with us for feeling these ways. And on the other side of this coin, there is a renewal or rebirth that follows these deepening down death-like moments. We can feel animated, inspired, or motivated after a hibernation. It feels good to feel renewal. Uh, this lunation can highlight our process around trusting our own psyches and souls and their rhythms. How do we also experience devotion, intention, and things like willpower in a way that harmonizes with our nature? So we're not trying to force ourselves or force our timing, but we have a deep trust and a deep participation with the rhythm of our very souls. So this is what I have for you for the week. Um, remember, it's the last couple of days to sign up for the upcoming Evolutionary Astrology Intensive linked below. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think and how you're doing. And thank you so much for being here.